Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us this morning. My name is Alex Barrett. I'm the, the lead pastor here. Let me just adjust some things real quick here. There we are. Uh, we're so glad you decided to, to join us this morning. Uh, my name is Alex Barrett. Like I mentioned, this is my wife, Samantha. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've been on this new series, which you'll see on the screen called Our Imperfect Family. And uh, just like all of us, our family, we struggle. It's imperfect. Uh, but this series is all about how do we really get on board and in line with God's ways. And uh, last week, we talked about the importance of teaming together uh, in marriage. And then t- today, we're going to talk about how your team, as your marriage team, really does come together to parent. And uh, parenting uh, is complex. And just as a caveat on the front end, we're not going to solve all of the parenting issues in 40 minutes. Um, there's so many things that, that we have to work on. There's our own hearts, our kids' hearts. But we do hope that you'll leave here uh, with just some helpful insights, really a sense of God's word, and really the power that he gives you as you embark on this adventure of parenting. But before I, I jump in, I, there's just a couple things I want to let you know about. The first is you should have received a program. And if you can open that up, we use this really as active uh, documents and flyers and information to help you connect this morning. And so the first uh, grab that connection card that is in there. Uh, you'll see it. It's got a QR code. You can uh, scan that, and that will help you connect to our church center. Uh, if you prefer, if you're new and you don't have the app yet, please uh, just connect by writing on that physical card. Uh, write your name, your email, even if you filled out these cards before. Especially if you're new, uh, please fill in as much information as you're comfortable sharing with us. Uh, that helps us uh, serve you. That helps us uh, connect and give you things that will help you as you are investigating your own spiritual uh, walk with God. And then also, if you have prayer requests, uh, let us know uh, how we can pray for you. Um, like me and, and my wife, Samantha, we have things in our life that people don't know about until we actually ask for prayer. And so we want to encourage you to uh, do that so we can pray. We have a prayer team that will pray for those things as well. So please fill out that card. Let us know how we can help you. And then later in the service, we'll be receiving our offering you can drop that uh, connection card in there if you fill it out uh, physically. Also, want to let you know, uh, we've had these flyers over really the last several weeks, and uh, Sports Camp is coming up in uh, just a little over two weeks, and we're really excited. Uh, this is our biggest outreach uh, of the entire year, and so far, as of this morning, we have 95 kids signed up. Let's praise God for that. And um, the, the thing about Sports Camp is we do this to really be a bridge to our community, to be a light, to bless families. Uh, We do this through helping them learn about sports, the kids specifically. And then we bless families also by connecting with them and uh, having conversations, finding out what's going on in people's lives. And we create an environment where people feel welcome. And so as a church, we have a responsibility to do that, to actually bless our community. And so we are so grateful that all of these kids have signed up. And so first off, if you have family and neighbors and friends and coworkers who have kids that are the age 5 to 11, I encourage you to invite them to sports camp. This, uh, you've heard this, if you've been at Ridgeview, you've heard this probably the last few weeks, so this isn't really for you anymore. Uh, This is for you to give to somebody else. And so I just want to encourage you to think of somebody you can invite. Uh, Kids over the summer oftentimes are bored, right, parents? We know what that's like. And uh, this is a way for them to actually have an activity that's going to be fun, and they'll be blessed by it. And so just think through right now people in your life who you can invite and use this flyer uh, as a way to invite. And then also, as you can imagine, pulling off a week-long event every night and then all of the things leading up to it 
uh, it takes a tremendous amount of volunteers. And one of our wins for this event is to create such a big task as a church, such a big event that we have to rely on God in new ways. That's actually how faith grows. And so this event isn't just about blessing our community. It's also about helping us grow. And we have to walk in faith and decide, you know, we're going to bless over 100 kids. I think more kids will be signing up. We've got a cap at 150. Pray for us that we'll, we'll hit that goal. But as we extend ourselves, uh, what we are doing is we're saying to, as a church, we're going to rally together uh, to do this. And if you've not yet volunteered, I just encourage you, this will be a great experience. If you want to build relationships, there's actually no better way than getting outside of your comfort zone, sometimes getting outside of your normal schedule, and even outside of a Sunday, being able to connect with people of the church. And if you come every night, five nights, and it's a few hours, think about how many Sundays that would take for you to get the same amount of time with the people of this church. So if you just look at the schedule alone, it is a commitment, but it's actually through commitment that you grow. And so I just encourage, if you're not yet volunteered, we need more volunteers to pull this off well. And so if you haven't yet volunteered or you're given one night and you could give two, that'd be a blessing. If you can give two, you can give us four. That Like, we just need people who can really step up. And so if you're not volunteered, uh, you can do that on Church Center. You could also just write on your connection card, I'd like to uh, volunteer with Sports Camp. And uh, please, if you could, uh, will you pray with us leading up to this Sports Camp? And so I'm just going to pray right now, and then we'll, we'll dig into this sermon. God, we do just ask for your help. Uh, we want to step out in faith, and we want to bless our community. We thank you, God, for the 95 kids that have already signed up. We thank you for the kids of our church who've signed up, and we'll be able to just enjoy connecting and meeting uh, the various kids of our community. We thank you for the families of Ridgeview and the opportunity that we have to meet families of our community as well. And so, God, we just pray for all of the details. We pray for all of those families who are coming. Uh, specifically for those families who don't know you, who aren't a part of a church, that they'll really see that this is a community that loves them, that there is a God who loves them and wants a tremendous purpose for their life. And so, God, we give you this event. We, we ask for your help. We need supernatural help to do things beyond even our own capabilities. But you're a God that does that. And so we, we look forward to seeing what you do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, as we dig in this morning to uh, talking about parenting, oh, sorry, I just took my wife's notes. D- don't take my notes. <laughs> See, we were more than survival. We're about to live that out in a second. But um, we are, in this series, doing something a little bit different as we've talked about the last few weeks. And we really want uh, to you, as just the congregation, to engage and uh, to participate. And so one of the ways you can do that is by filling out a, um, a QR code that I'm going to show you in a moment. But I want to just give the poll uh, from last week talking about uh, parenting. And so I want to show this to you. And so in parenting, this was the question we asked last Sunday. In parenting, what most uh, concerns you? And I know it's a little bit small, but can you see what it says? What's the biggest concern for parents? Negative influences. That could be peers. Uh, that could be the media. Uh, that could be in schooling. And um, that's one of our concerns as parents is what are the influences that are not good that can impact our kids in a way that's detrimental to them. And then you could see there's other things like, how do I maintain this healthy relationship that's on the minds of us as parents? Um, How do I get on the same page as my spouse? And so this was helpful input for us as we planned 
this week to speak to you, just what are the things that are weighing on you. And so uh, today we have a new uh, opportunity for you guys to engage, and let's put that QR code. And uh, one of the, the questions this week that you can participate in is, uh, what's the atmosphere of your home? And this is anonymous, but take a time to think about that. We're going to be talking about that next week, but what's the atmosphere of your home? And so you'll see once you get there, there's a poll, and uh, you can answer that, just what the atmosphere of your home is. That will help us just gauge where everyone's at. And then also on the left-hand side, when you look at that, there's a Q&A. Now, this is really helpful. Uh, we want to know what questions you have. And so even this morning as we're talking, if something brings up a question or we've been talking about marriage last week, uh, please ask a question. That's anonymous as well, but that helps us really know how to specifically help um, the people of this church. And so scan that. You can fill that out anytime this week, but if you're like me, it might help to do that today. So this is like the only time where the pastor's encouraging, get your phone out and use it as I'm speaking, okay? But please uh, engage with us. And so today we're going to talk about parenting. And uh, Sam, you're going to kind of just introduce a little bit of our family. Yeah. So we've got a couple pictures. Um, so this first picture is the Easter picture of 2014. That's our family. Um, that was the year that Alex, the first year that he was the lead pastor of a church. It's when we went out to Alhambra to help Church in the Valley uh, start a satellite campus. And then um, the next They're just picture, so little and cute. Like, can we just say that? Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. They are. Um, and then the next picture is this past Easter. And so we have three kids. As you can see, Katie is 16, Levi is 14, and Jude is 11. And um, this, is, this is our journey as a family. And so um, Alex and I have been married for almost 21 years. We'll celebrate our 21st anniversary in June. So um, parenting is hard. I don't know. For those of you who are parents, um, you probably can easily agree with me. For me personally, it's the hardest um, and most sober responsibility that I personally face and have faced. Um, And the reason why is because I love my kids so much and I just I don't want to mess them up. I really want life to go well for them. And so it's a heavy burden to um, carry that out. You know, you're so afraid that you're going to mess them up or, or, you know, you're going to do something wrong. And, um, and so, you know, it, it's a, it's a burden, but, um, for Alex and I, we have found such help and, um, blessing as we have chosen to do, uh, parenting God's way. And so believe it or not, the scriptures actually are very specific and very practical in how we can train our children, um, in a way that blesses them, blesses us, and then more importantly, actually helps us team as a family to move God's kingdom forward and to honor him. And so we're just going to share some of those principles um, and some things that have been helpful for us personally as we have um, done this. Now, obviously, you can see we're in the middle of parenting. Uh, we're not done yet, and we certainly have not done things perfectly, and nor are we perfect those of you who have spent more than five minutes with us can attest to that. So this is not us coming from a place of, oh, we've done things so right. This is just us as fellow parents um, talking about how the Bible and, and doing life God's way has helped us as we have um, been parenting our children. Yeah, and I want to encourage you if, you, if you're a grandparent here, if you're a parent, uh, even really a part of this this congregation, we've talked about the spiritual family. You really do serve as role models no matter who you are. 
Um, in a spiritual family, what you have the blessing of is actually people who are examples and encouragers and really play a role like aunts and uncles and grandparents to multiple kids just throughout different families. That's part of how God connects us together. And so I want to encourage you, there's a listening guide in your program, and we're going to be talking a lot today uh, with various things. And so I encourage you, this is one of those where you, you really want to take notes uh, because you'll maybe hear something and you might need to reflect more. You may need to actually ask more questions. You may need to get even some more insight. And so by writing it down, by taking notes, uh, that, that's, that's a help uh, to you. And so I encourage you to, to pull that out. Let's dig into kind of the big picture of parenting, just like we did uh, in marriage. But the big picture of parenting is to raise a godly generation. Um, the command from God is to be fruitful and to multiply. But it's not just to have kids and have a bunch of kids. It's actually to raise your kids in a certain way uh, that pleases God. And so we're going to dig in today of, of how do you do that? What, what's involved in raising godly children? What do you do? What do you, what do you not do? And I mentioned questions and answers that people have asked. And last week, this was a question, or maybe it might have been two weeks ago. It says, in the moments of annoyance, anger, fatigue, and parenting, how do you get the strength or perspective needed to choose the right response? Now, if you're a parent and you hear this question, you're like, amen, great question. Because all of us as parents can know the goal or can know maybe where we need to head, but it's in those times where you're tired. Any parents tired here? You're so tired, you can't even answer the questions. Like, I can't, I'm tired, I'm so tired, right? But when you're, when you're tired and when you're emotional, when you're stressed, often your kids pay the highest price because our responses usually aren't the most helpful. And so this is a great question. So what do you do in the heat? of the battle. And when you're just, you're struggling. And for me, it's remembering this goal. It's to raise godly kids. And did you know the only way Sam and I can raise godly kids and the only way you can is through God's help, period. You can't raise godly kids without God. And so in those moments, when it just feels desperate and you feel confused and you feel like you're doing a terrible job, it's in those moments where you have to remember the goal. And parenting is actually a gift. It's a stewardship. God has given you kids. And God has not chosen any other kids for you to have except the ones that you have. And that's a tremendous responsibility. But what a privilege. And so it's in those moments where I have to take a step back and I just have to pray. I know Sam and I have had to pray. And sometimes we have to come together and pray because we don't know what to do. And it just looks like this. God, you've given us our kids. Thank you for that gift. Will you help right now? I'm tired, I'm stressed, I'm angry, and I'm frustrated, and I want to check out, or I want to lash out, or I want to respond, whatever it is that you're feeling, but will you help me right now? I want to do things your way. I need your help. Will you help me right now in the name of Jesus? So it's remembering that goal and then inviting God in that moment to get the help that you need. So if you can keep coming back to that, that will help you kind of stay um, on track. So that's the big goal, to raise godly kids. And then Sam's going to talk a little bit about what this involves. Yeah. So uh, this involves prioritizing two tasks. The first one is walking with Christ. And the second one is handling life from God's perspective. And so for us, the way that um, we've kind of 
a motto that we've come up with with our family. This is not new to us. We've used this from mentors who have parented their children well. But our motto is love God and love people. We ourselves want to love God and love people, and we want to train our kids to do the same. And so as we make decisions, as we decide what we're going to do as a family, um, when conflict comes up or problems arise, we try to keep that goal in mind as a way to determine what the best action is, what is going to be most loving to God. In other words, um, we want our kids to fear God and respect him. Fear as in you take his word seriously because they know that he is God and that his ways are best and that he has placed boundaries for a reason. And then also loving people. God loves people. Um, God loves people so much and he's called us to love our fellow, um, people, our fellow community, um, our neighbors, our, you know, our family, our church. And so part of loving God is also loving people. So that really helps keep us, um, on track. Um, and then, and then gives easy language for our kids to understand. We want to love God and we want to love people. Yeah, and so that that second handle life from God's perspective leads to another major goal of parenting. Um, you want to help them become godly, but a, a key to that is you you have to focus on wisdom. And focusing on wisdom is actually how you handle life from God's perspective. That is, there's a reality that God's created. And so kids and parents and grandparents and families and communities and leaders in every spectrum, really need to learn God's wisdom. Because if you don't know how God operates and you're trying to live your life independent of that, you're going to keep hitting walls and you're going to keep hitting problems. And you see that in our society. Many people are basing what they do on their own wisdom or the the world's wisdom or cultural wisdom. And they never ask the question, is there a wisdom that exists outside of us? Well, if you're a Christ follower, the answer is yes. It's in the Lord God the creator of the world. And so to parent means that you're not just focusing on a book or a guidebook. You're you're focusing on how God's word works and how to learn wisdom in that. And so I just want to walk through this. This isn't on your notes, but this is helpful if you're a parent to keep in the back of your mind in terms of wisdom. And there's a lot to this. And so you might want to write this down and kind of think more about it. But biblical wisdom actually has four assumptions. These assumptions are important to know. The first, uh, the God of the Bible is the creator. Uh, There is a God, and he's created your kids, and he's created you, and he's created this world. And that gives him an authority. Uh, He he has intelligence, design, power, and character. The implication of that is there is a reality outside of ourselves. That's important. And that reality has patterns that we can discover. And so when you're parenting and when you're training, you're wanting your kids to learn how the world works according to God's ways. And you can learn that. The second assumption is the God of the Bible is holy and sovereign. He's actually pure. He's right. He's just. He rewards righteousness and punishes sin. That's actually really key when it comes to discipline. It's actually because the God is holy that you want to discipline your kids, not to please you, but to actually make Jesus happy. You know how much power that that actually holds to it? It's not about pleasing mom and dad. When I actually obey my parents, I'm aligning with the God of the universe who's righteous and who wants to see me obey and to do what right, what's right. And so God, one of the implications of that is he runs the universe in a way that's moved by his holiness. 
And morality, what we do that's right or wrong, actually does impact our blessing and happiness in the world. There's cause and effect. And your kids will experience that just like we do. The third assumption, uh, the God of the Bible is not far off, but close at hand. Uh, He's aware of what we do, and he actually is involved in our life. And so your kids need to understand really early on that God is not just some far-off object or idea, but that actually God is right there with them. When they're going to bed at night, and they're concerned or they're scared, they need to know that the creator of the world is right there in their room watching over them. That actually brings a lot of security. But it also brings the sense of like, God sees all that I do. And that's really what you want. You want to raise kids that have this view that God's watching and I'm living my life before him and I want to please him with what I do. And then the fourth assumption is that the right moral relationship to God involves love. This actually goes back to what Sam just said about loving God and loving people. This is what Jesus says, the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, to love God with everything in you and to love people. But the fourth assumption of wisdom aligns with that because you can't understand the world without actually having a commitment to love. And so if you think about that related to how siblings relate to each other, relating to how your kids relate to their friends, how they respond when they feel slighted, how they respond when they are told to do something they don't want to do, Love has to factor in, like, what's the right response here? And when you do that, you're actually on the path to wisdom. So if your kids learn to walk with God and live life from his perspective and get on the track of wisdom, there's actually nothing that will bless a parent's life more than that. And here's the thing. We all can see this. Your kids could be greatly successful when they become adults. They could own a home really early on. They could build their bank account. They could own their car and pay for it and not be in debt. They could have lots to show material like for what they have. Like they could show you all these things that they've earned. But in the end, if their life is filled with bad decisions and they're not pleasing the Lord God, it doesn't matter all that they have to show for their life. As a parent, you'll still feel an emptiness. That's because the greatest desire of a parent is actually to see your kids not just do well, but live well. And if you're a Christ follower, it's actually to please God. Check out this scripture from Proverbs 23. It says, my son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. I just want to speak something to parents right now. We live this out. When our parents struggle, we struggle. That's why. When our parents or when our kids do well, we, we feel better. There's this connection that, that we have, and it's part of this. And then verse 16, my inmost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. So I just want to say, if you're a parent and you struggle because of what your kids do, you're actually experiencing reality. And one of the things that you have to just keep the faith is, again, like what we talked about last week, is is you continue to pray, continue to connect with your kids as you can, continue to help as they ask for it, and love them. But what you're experiencing is when your kids go off and they're not doing what you know they should or what, more importantly, God wants, there's just a part of your heart which will be broken. So you have to just continue to give that to God and continue to trust him. Be patient with the work that, that he wants uh, to do. Sam? Okay, so not only does the Bible have a lot to say about what wisdom looks like, it actually also has a lot to say about what a fool looks like. And in the English language, we only have the one word, fool. But 
scripture actually has several different words that describe specific types of fools. And so um, I want to quickly go over those with you guys and then how um, having these categories has really helped our family as we have trained our kids and worked on ourselves as well. So the first one is the lazy liar. Um, that's the Casile. This one, uh, they, they don't want to work. They want to, they're always trying to find the easy way. Um, you know, they're, they're lazy and they're looking for the easy way out. They're looking for the magic key and they often will lie in order to get out of the work. Um, so it's like, yeah, mom, I did my homework. It's done. And then you find out at the end of the semester, they're flunking the class because they've not turned in their homework. Okay. Let's not get too real. Okay. Let's like, <laughs> let's, you know, or, you know, it's that type of stuff. Yeah, I've done my chores, but then their clothes are shoved under their bed. It's that type of, you know, it's just, um, that tendency toward laziness. Uh, the next one is the angry manipulator, um, the evil. This one is very controlling. They want to have control. And um, this is a foolish tendency that the Bible um, depicts very clearly. Um, they've got an agenda, and they're going to they're gonna get that agenda. And so they often will manipulate. They'll, they'll use the cold shoulder or um, blowing up in order to make people do what they want so that they can be in charge. The, uh, another fool is the reckless fool. This is the sackle, the one who is just fun, 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 looking for the next adventure at whatever cost. They're not thinking about their actions. They're not thinking about what's going to happen next. They're just looking for fun right now. And so this type of fool, um, it's, it's, if taken to the end of the line, these are the fools that end up in drugs, um, you know, alcohol in, in life debilitating circumstances because they're just chasing fun. Um, another type of fool is the arrogant lime lighter, the halal. This one wants to be in the spotlight. Um, and they, they want to have a, a crew around them who thinks they're really great. And so, um, you know, maybe the, the popular one, but basically someone who they're really looking for accolade and, and, for people to like them and, and they'll do whatever it takes to have that status. And then the last one is the cruel fool. Uh, this is the Nabal. This is a two faced person who enjoys hurting, hurting people. So this is the predator. This is the one that all of us can easily identify and agree with. Um, but it's, they, they like hurting people. So you even see this, um, you know, before you're training this, these foolish patterns out of your children, you see this, you know, in toddlers who just like to hit people or, you know, want to take the slug and squish it. Not that I had a kid who did that or anything, (laughs) but you know, it's just, it's just, they're, they're not, they're not thinking. And so as that foolish pattern develops, it, it becomes the predator fool. So these categories have been extremely helpful um, for us. Number one, for me, just I, I learned these first. We were in our early 20s, um, just these different categories for foolish relating. And first of all, just to identify it in myself, what my favorite one is, we all have one. And maybe we have two, um, a combo deal. So we can all relate to maybe all of them at some point or another, but all of us have a favorite a tendency, and so do our kids. And so this has been super helpful for us, number one, to understand what my tendency is and what I'm going to do when I'm feeling the pressure. Um, And then also for my kids, our kids are different. I have three kids. 
They're each different. God has blessed them differently with gifting. And then their struggles are unique as well. Obviously, there's some general struggles that we all have. But my kids have their own foolish tendency. It's helpful to know that as we're training them so that we can help them in that category fight the the tendencies that come with that. So, The, re- the reason we want to give you this is oftentimes you might think of parenting as like, there's a neutral heart of your children, but just like us, our heart tends to not be neutral, uh, especially just the struggle of sin. We're tending to go in that direction. So to focus on wisdom means that you also have to be aware of the foolishness we're drawn to. And the only way you can really help your kids is for them to understand these categories for you to, like Sam just said, like talk about your own struggle with them and then help them to identify the, the folly that they maybe get pulled to as well. And oftentimes, um, this doesn't get talked about or dealt with. And marriages really fall apart oftentimes because you have a spouse, a husband or a wife that are coming together, each from their own folly, and they, they resist each other because they're blocking each other's goals because they're, they're pursuing different things, but each really to please themselves. And so this is actually not just a parenting issue. This is actually a human issue that we have with, with sin. And so I encourage you, you know, might want to think through just yourself, like on that list, uh, again, which one do you tend to uh, maybe lean towards? We don't talk about that. Uh, we chase oftentimes behavior, but we don't talk about the root. And so this is actually part of that root. Um, speaking of that, the next thing I want to talk about is you can't just focus on behavior to actually train your kids. You have to train the heart and not just behavior. Um, we live in a time, uh, we're a product. If, if you grew up in school, you've been a part of a family. Most of the time, um, when you're younger, you're just being told what not to do. And you're being told that after you do something you shouldn't do. Don't touch that, right? Stop talking. Don't do that. Wait, stop. Wait. And it's, it's very reactive. And so what we think as parents, a lot of times because of our own upbringing, is that it's the same. You just need to chase the behavior. But if you chase the behavior, you will burn yourself out because you can't keep up. There's always something that you have to correct. There's always a behavior that you have to address. And what that does is that puts kind of this over-controlling uh, tendency on parents. So you just have to keep watching the behavior. And I don't know if you've experienced this. I've experienced it with my own kids. But if you just focus on behavior long enough and keep telling them no and stop and wait and no, you know, and you just repeat and repeat, you actually see the kids, draw, you know, pull away. You seen that? You actually kind of see them like shut down. And then you decide, well, because my parents are so on my behavior, I'm just going to do this behavior somewhere else. And then they hide. But if you train the heart, you actually are helping them change. If you focus on behavior, there's no change because the behaviors change. But if you focus on the heart, the heart is actually what leads to our behavior. And so I want to walk through uh, what we call the, the heart diagram here at Ridgeview. Uh, that's our heart. Each of us have good desires and bad desires. Today, when you woke up, your heart was like this, and so was mine. There's good things that you wanted, and there's bad things. We're a mixed bag, so our hearts are always mixed, good and bad. The key is, with if you could put the, the next slide there, the key is, is you have to focus to change what you do. You have to focus on your perspective. Perspective is how you see life work. So remember when I talked about the four assumptions of wisdom? 
That's actually perspective. God is God. He's the creator outside of myself. He actually has built morals into the world. That's a perspective. Why? Because when you come into situations and you could get away with something, that perspective that God is watching and he's holy and sovereign, that could actually prevent you from doing something really foolish with your life. That's perspective. What you see, how you think the world works. The other part of our heart that we have to train in is values specifically with with our children. So the values are what's important. All of us have values. And that is what we think is important, and we rank them. And so we see this at play all of the time. If our children really value fun, and then they find out what they need to do to be able to get that fun, like for our kids, it's like screen time or video games. It's like, well, I'll do whatever I need to do so that value that I have I can experience. And so the key is how do you get in your own life the right values to rise to the top so your values actually represent the values that God has? And most of the time as we're talking church life, it's not that you don't love God. All of us, if you're pursuing him and you know him, you love him. The question of values is what do you love more? And you actually have to wrestle with that. And the way that you know what you love more, then you look at the behavior. So what it is, is you look at the behavior, that's what makes sense to people. Everyone does things intentionally. Your kids, if they're lying to you and deceiving, it's because they want to do that. They didn't accidentally do it. But there's a value that they have. Well, it's actually better for me if I don't tell my parents what's really going on. And maybe that, that's part of their perspective. That's because the way that they react when I tell them what's going on is not good. So therefore, I'm not going to tell them. And I like to be left, of, uh, left alone in peace. That's my value. And then you see that deception is the behavior. So you see why that values and that perspective is so important. And so as parents, your goal is to get off the behavior train and just focus on stop, wait, no, yes, stop, wait, no, yes, stop, wait. That just sounds like a Friday night, right? You know, but, but actually to focus on why are they doing that? That's a great question as a parent. Why? Why are they doing that? Another part is it, why does that make sense to them? They just hit their brother in the face with a ball, and they're picking up the bat. Why does that make sense? Now, in the middle of that, you don't want to take a step back and, like, let me see as he swings. No, you need to intervene. You need to stop the behavior, right, in, in crisis. But you, you, you have to go beyond that and ask the question, why? And so that's probably the biggest task of a parent is training and you train the heart, not behavior. You want to talk a little bit about what that looks like? Sure, yeah. So from, uh, we're going to kind of give categories. From birth to six years of age-ish, um, it's much higher par- parental control, obviously. Um, I, I lovingly refer to the toddler early preschool years as being on suicide watch as a parent. I'm literally following my kids around keeping them from killing themselves, from running out in the street, uh, you know, when cars are coming, from sticking things in sockets, from picking up toys and choking on them. I mean, it's just you're, you're, you're close by and you're, you're just constantly intervening on their behalf. I think about this at a playground. You know, the, the mom of a toddler is following her baby around. You know, they get up on the high structure. They're, they don't know if, the, if their kid is just going to jump off the edge 
Um, so they're following them and, and they're, they're watching, watching, watching. They're, you know, um, intervening when the kid wants the toy and he just grabs it because that's what he wants. Um, but what happens is, so, so that, that stage requires high parental control. You're teaching them. Um, for us, our, our motto with our kids growing up was obey quickly. Um, we really, it was important for us based on what we know about God and how he works and his authority structure that they needed to obey quickly, not only for their own safety, but also um, for freedom. Because as they chose to obey quickly, then they could gain freedom. Um, you know, I wouldn't let my kids cross the street. They, I would, they would have to hold my hand. And if they didn't want to hold my hand, I would pick them up. And, but over time, I was training them don't cross the street without me. And as they modeled that they would do that, then they gained more freedom and they, I wouldn't have to pick them up or I wouldn't make them hold my hand leading up to it. They, they could have a little bit more freedom there. And so that moves you into the next category, seven to 14 ish, where you're doing a little bit more coaching. So at this point, your kids should have some values and perspective. You know, they, they now understand the perspective of running in front of a car isn't going to be good for me. I value my life. I'm not going to do that. And um, I value having friends, so I want to treat them kindly. I don't want to just snatch the toy away from them. And so at that point, your parenting should move more into a coaching situation. So now I'm at the park with my 7 to 14-year-olds, and they actually have the freedom to just pray, to play by themselves. Um, but I'm there, I'm around, and I can, I can help as they need, um, you know, and that sort of thing. And then you want to lead that, um, that moves into self-control from 15 on. And that's really, they're actually monitoring their self they have, um, they have the value and the perspective that they really love God. They love people. They want to do right by God and people. And they're making their own decisions. And as parents, we're watching them make that decision and then coaching as needed. So as you can see, you know, Lord willing, as you're really focusing on training rightly, um, it, it goes from much less child control and then moves up to where the children have uh, more freedom and the parents have less. So, yeah, like an example would be, you know, at, at Park Day, which, we, you know, we have at, at Ridgeview a couple times a month. Um, it would be very odd if my wife with our 11 year old son, as he was going on the slide, is like, OK, honey, you can do it. I'm going to hold your hand. And he like that would look very odd. Or as our 14 year olds on the monkey bars like. Let me, let me hold your legs up, you know, and, but the idea is sometimes. I'm, he would I'm, be helping me on the monkey bars. Yes. Let's be honest. That's true. But, but the reason I bring that up is sometimes in parenting, like to think of that example, that seems ludicrous. But one of the things like Sam and I, this new stage is before you realize it, you can parent a five-year-old, but your kid is now 15. If you try to parent a 15-year-old as a five-year-old, you're going to have great issues. Because they actually will resist the control. And so you do have to, this is why the early years are so important, but you do have to relinquish that control so that you can actually play of a more of a coaching role. Because if you're more hands-on and they're getting older, it actually doesn't fit their age and stage. And they, re they will resist it. And then that relationship gets so strained. And so this is something as parents you, you probably need to talk about. Uh, Sam and I usually would figure out our stage, we'd get our groove, and right then our kids would be in a new stage. 
You know what I'm saying, parents? Like you, 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 you get it, and then before you know it, now you're trying to figure it out again. And that's one of the, the hardest things about parenting. But that's where you have to really uh, get outside yourself, get help. Like, I don't know what to do in this situation. We keep running into this problem. Ask questions. Get on the same page uh, with your spouse, and then, and then you, you, move, you move forward. I want to just briefly talk about discipline. Um, this was a question we had. How do you decide which level of consequence? Example, removing the toy distraction, offer their choice, flick, spank, what things uh, get the highest level. Now, if you're not a parent, you may have all sorts of different ideas of discipline. And then if you are a parent, you may have heard of all different ideas. And then you have your own ideas that are happening in the moment when your kid is doing something that you just like, you ever ask the question, like, why would you do that? You ever ask that? Why? What were you thinking? Have you ever asked that or told them? Well, that's a great question. And they should just respond, you know, mom, it made sense to me. You know, dad, I'm doing this because I want to. That's really the answer. So there's times where you actually do have to deal uh, with discipline. And so for us, uh, one of the things with discipline, and I'm just going to shoot straight with you if I can, discipline needs to hurt. It needs to hurt. If it doesn't hurt, it's not discipline. And part of that is actually modeled after God himself. The scriptures actually say he, he disciplines us because he loves us. And so we can get out of line and God's discipline actually helps correct. And so part of the correction for parents to actually help them see morality and God's work in the world is, is we actually discipline them so that they know that there is truth, there is right, and there is wrong. Our culture is trying to blur those lines. Everything is relative. Kids can do what they want. Actually, what the scriptures say, and Sam alluded to, is that your kid's life and well-being, their life will go well if they obey their parents. That's what the Bible says. Literally, they will have a long life. We never think of that. But their life, which we care about so much as parents, that they have a good life, is linked to them obeying you, doing what you say. But on the short end, we like, well, my, my kid doesn't like that. They don't really want to do what I say. And so if you let them off the hook, you may give them short-term enjoyment, and they may have long-term pain. This is real. Like, this is that reality of wisdom that we find. And so for us, what we focused on was rebellion. If your kids, or kid, whoever you have, or parenting, if they go against what you say and they just rebel, you, you need to discipline that. Um, rebellion really goes against God's ways. Rebels, they never advance in the kingdom of God. And so you don't want to raise a rebel. You actually need to train your kids of how to respect authority, to listen, and especially to mom and dad. And dads, this is really important. You need to pay attention to how your kids respect their mom and follow what she says. And so I was always paying attention, like, how did they respond? What did they say? Are they obeying quickly? Because the big picture is that she's also my wife and my teammate. And there's times as a dad that they're not just going against their mom. They're going against your wife. They need a category that you don't mess with dad's wife, who's also their mom. And so it's very important if they are rebelling and just flat out like, no. You ever heard your kids say that? You're like, oh, that, that was like really interesting. That, what, like, what, what, are they, what do they mean by that? They mean no. Like, I don't care what you say. And so we, we really had to address that. And oftentimes you can't deal with discipline while you sit down. 
and don't count. This is just added bonus. Don't count. What you're saying is, I'm going to give you time to decide if you want to obey. But they actually need to know, my parents said, I need to obey right away. I need to obey quickly. My life, my well-being, it's actually connected to that. And so rebellion was the thing that you really want to focus on. And then disrespect, um, those can be tied together. But disrespecting a person, like if our kids uh, hurt people, that happens. You know, you, you, you hurt people, they could hit people, they could bite people. We had hitters and biters in our, in our family. You may too. And you have to deal with that. You, you can't love people if you hurt them. So as a parent, you really need... So for us, it was very serious if our kids, like, convicted pain on people. And our kids, they were always smart. Kids are very smart. And so sometimes they tested that in the most, I guess, worst places. Like, I'm going to do this in public at a store. And so there's times where you have to leave your stuff before you check out and you need to discipline your, your child. And so a rebellion and, and, and disrespect. Now, uh, again, with the control and the coaching, um, you don't really want to discipline the same way a three-year-old as you do a 13-year-old. You, you, you can't. But there still does need to be pain because you really want your children to learn, like, I can't go against God and his ways. And this isn't about pleasing mom and dad. This is about making Jesus happy. And they really need to live their life like in, in, in view of that. And this, uh, just to be real, this is very difficult. This is what's exhausting. Wouldn't you say, babe, just the discipline Absolutely. over the years, most of the time was never convenient. And there's times I'd look at Sam and I would just be like, I, I want you to do it. Like, yeah, I'm tired. Like, you know, but we, we for the most part, this is also for the dads. We had a, a rule, especially... Um, cause my wife, we, we homeschool and she does, and she's with the kids, you know, more than I am. Um, but there was times a lot of like in public settings or even when I was home that it's easy to defer. And we just decided like when I'm home or I'm, we're out and we're at an event that I'm in charge of the discipline. And that way I'm reinforcing what our family is about. And actually I'm going to stand before the Lord Jesus about our family. He's going to hold me accountable. And so um, it was never well, and convenient. It's a reminder that you're the leader of our family. Yeah. And I'm, when I'm home with them all day long, disciplining, 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 this is when they were little. I'm really reinforcing what he has set as the goal of our family. Yeah. And it, it's exhausting and it's hard and it's, it's never convenient. But if you can really hold the line of what's right and expect your kids to obey you are blessing them. It's not about you. You're actually blessing them. And so we want to talk a little bit uh, as we kind of close out of beyond the discipline, how do we actually train? So we'll move quickly. Yeah, training is is really important. And it really is, it's two, two things. You need to set the example and then you need to explain it. And that's our job as parents. Um, that's how we learn things. That's how our kids learn things. And so um, it, it provides direction for our kids. So first, we need to set the example of doing what God says in our own lives. And then we need to teach our kids to do the same. Um, and then there's a, there's a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about this. One is Deuteronomy 4, 5 through 6, which I think we have 
on the screen here. It says, look, I have taught you statutes and ordinances as the Lord my God has commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to possess. Carefully follow them, for this will show your wisdom and understanding in the eyes of the peoples. When they hear about all these statutes, they will say, this great nation is indeed a wise and understanding people. So here in this verse, you can see how people who don't know God are impacted by the people who know and follow God's commands. Um, we've experienced this in our family. Um, there have been several different circumstances and, and people who have, who have come to us and, and um, um, admired our kids. Like, wow, your kids are so kind. They're so respectful. Um, that's crazy. And we, and we, we are able to take the opportunity then, um, to explain, well, actually we love the Lord, we follow him and we really do our best to, you know, raise our kids in a way, um, in God's way. And so we're able, even as a family to do that. Um, and so that that's actually been really helpful for us. Yeah. Let me, let me just read a couple more scriptures that speak of this. Um, instruction and training. Deuteronomy 4.9, only be on your guard and diligently watch yourselves so that you don't forget the things your eyes have seen and so that they don't slip from your mind as long as you live. Teach them to your children and your grandchildren. So we're living this life in this world, and as we're going about, we're looking for ways where we can bring God and his reality into our everyday life. We're, we're seeing him at work. We're not going to forget what he does. And so the things that you hear about what God does related to you, related to families of this church, related to our church in general, related to other people, share those with your kids. That God's real. He answered this prayer. He healed this person. He provided this money for this family, like whatever it is. That's part of this. And then Deuteronomy 11, it says, imprint these words of mine on your hearts and minds, bind them as a sign on your hands and let them be a symbol on your foreheads. This is the sense of like, this needs to be real to you. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So this is speaking about God's ways. So the important thing for any parent and even grandparent, any part person of this congregation, the biggest impact on the next generation and your kids is how you live your life. That's the biggest impact. It's actually what you do. The example And then what you say, oftentimes as parents, we spend so much time on saying and speaking and explaining and instructing, but we don't have the example. And notice the example is always first. And in these scriptures, you see it starts with living a certain way. And this is how we model what it means to live uh, for the Lord Jesus. Um, We're running out of time, so I'm going to kind of go through this really, really quickly, but There's also some forces at work that are going in the opposite direction of God's and his ways. One is the enemy. He actually is interested in not just attacking you, but he wants to get to you by going to your kids. And that will happen again and again. And you have to know of these things. There's a spiritual attack. There's a spiritual reality. And so as parents, you need to know that your kids have targets on them. This is not to put fear in you. Uh, this is real. And so what we're talking about today is very serious. Because if you don't train your kids, others will. 
And think about it this way. Whoever has the most time with your kids, that's who will train them. And you see this in schools, you see it in the media, you see it in social media, the messages of God, who God is. And what you find in the media is that the God that they're talking about are not the God of the Bible. They're gods of fun. They're gods of power. They're gods of success or deceit and deception, everything in between. So uh, here's a, a, just a few resources for you as a parent, grandparent, uh, even part of the congregation. Uh, this is Focus on the Family. Uh, they have really helpful insights uh, for you. I'm specifically speaking about how do you combat those negative influences, which was that highest concern. Focus on the Family has a lot related to technology, phone, social media, um, sex culture in our country, and how do you help your kids navigate that world. So focusonthefamily.com is helpful. Uh, another we- website, the next one is Breakpoint. Breakpoint has also helpful articles. This is not mainstream media. And that's why this is so important is because you have to actually learn what's going on outside of the media. Media is not going to tell you uh, the fight for your kids. And then the, the, the last one is just Axis, A-X-I-S, um, Axis.org, and Breakpoint and Focus on the Family. Um, th- this will have things that may be specific, interesting to you based on what your kid is dealing with. And so there, there are articles, there are resources. Again, in, in one sermon, you can't get to every issue, but these three will, I think, provide uh, some, some insight. So um, the last thing I just want to say is the example parents set as they handle and the details, as they handle, sorry, the details of life is the single greatest influence on your kids. So, again, what you do. This is why what we do on a Sunday and learning about God and his ways and what we do in small groups and how we team together to reach our city and how we share with what's going on and how we pray for each other, that all actually builds a life. And your kids are watching your life. And so as you're growing and learning, they will be impacted from that. So that's part of our strategy here at Ridgeview. We really want to help reach adults so that they can actually train their kids. As you do that, the family becomes more secure. So we're out of time. So I just encourage you to come to second service, and you can learn the second. No, just kidding. But I do want to, uh, in all seriousness, Sam and I will be available after if you, if you have specific questions. Uh, this is a lot of perspective. And again, on your listening guide, you'll see a little bit more specific to that example and explaining And next steps today uh, is blank. It's just what is it that you need to do uh, based on what you've heard. But please, if you have a question and you need help specifically, uh, you can come talk to us after this, uh, you know, after the service. Or uh, if you have a question, use that that, uh, QR code, and you'll see that on there. So please uh, feel free to ask a question. I hope this has been a help. Um, Thanks for being here. We're so glad uh, you were with us to worship. Let, Let me pray. God, we we thank you for this morning and your word, which is so instructive and it's practical and helpful. And God, we we thank you that despite our imperfections as people and as family, um, you help us. You actually hear us when we cry out to you. And I just pray for all the families of our church. I pray for parents struggling who just feel uh, just at their end, just they don't know what to do and how to do it. God, I pray that just 
you will draw near to them and help them. I pray that you'll give them your power in a new way that they can see that it's not too late and that you really help moment by moment. And so I just pray against discouragement. Um, I pray against just apathy. And God, through our church, that we will band together as families to just proclaim your goodness to the world. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.